If you would turn with me, please, to the book of 2 John, 2 John chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 6. 2 John chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Thanks for being here again today. And 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll read through that in just a minute. I want to bring you a message this morning, and I'm going to entitle the message in the form of a question. Does doctrine matter? Does doctrine matter? You hear a lot of argument about doctrine is divisional and doctrine doesn't matter. Well, what's the Bible say? Does it matter? Does it matter what you believe? Does it matter what standards you uphold? Does it matter? Well, we're going to answer that from the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the good spirit that's already been here, for the choir, for their singing, for Jake, and for all those, Lord, that have taken part in our service, for our Sunday school teachers. Lord, you've just already met with us. And I pray you take the Word of God and speak to every heart now as we study. Build us up. In the most holy faith, in Jesus' name, amen. First of all, we need to ask the question, what is doctrine? When I look at a dictionary, a lot of times I go back to the 1828 dictionary, which is the closest dictionary to 1611 that I can get. And I really get a pure definition through that dictionary. And that dictionary said that doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs held by a church, a political party, or other groups. The word doctrine comes from the word doctor, which means learned, something that you've learned, something that you've taken hold of, something that you believe. Bear in mind that that is basically the world's definition of doctrine. But the Bible definition is that the Word of God is its own truth. If this book says it, it is true. If this book states it, it is fact. This book is not myth, legend, or lore. It is doctrine to be learned. Amen. And so, does doctrine matter? Does it matter what we believe? Doctrine in the Word of God is a principle, a tenet, a standard that is laid down as a fact of truth. Amen. Plato taught doctrine. And Plato taught his own doctrine, but his doctrine did not come from the Bible. Therefore, doctrine can be true or doctrine can be false. Every religion in the world has some truth. Some truth. And let me remind you that the devil will give you 90% truth to feed you 10% lie. We got to be careful what we believe and how we understand what the Word of God is instructing us. May I remind you of something I said a long time ago. I want to repeat it because the devil will help you fix a flat. He'll smile and be a nice person and he'll help you fix a flat here to run you off the cliff down the road. So you got to be careful what you believe. You got to be in the Word of God. Now, let's read from 2 John chapter 1, verse number 7 with that in mind. And we'll just stay here for just a few minutes. The Bible says here, for many, 2 John 1, 7, for many, the Bible says, deceivers are entered into the world who confess not 
that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This gets two definitions. This is a deceiver, number one, and an antichrist. Hey, it matters what you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. It matters what you believe about salvation. Muslims this morning believe in Christ. Well, let me say this. They believe in Jesus. They don't believe he was the Christ. And so Muslims believe in Jesus, but they believe he was just a prophet. This morning, the Jews believe in Jesus. You can, go to the, you can go to Israel and they say, was there a man that Jesus, was, was he born here in Bethlehem? And they say, yeah, historical fact. Was he raised in Nazareth? Yeah, historical fact. Did he die on the cross in Jerusalem? Yeah, historical fact. They believe it, but they don't believe in him as the Son of God. So they do not have doctrine. May I say to you this morning before I go on that he was the Son of God, and that's the doctrine of the Bible. The doctrine that must be believed is that he is the Son of God. He is the only way to heaven. There is one mediator between God and man, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. He not only said that, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and he said, no man will come to the Father but by me. That word but means There are no exceptions. And so someone may say, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I believe there are other ways to heaven. Oh, that's doctrine, but it's wrong doctrine. He said, ah, he said, listen, there are no exceptions. Where did did your philosophy come from? Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Not the Bible. Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life. No man cometh the Father, but by me, no exceptions. Amen. So we're to fill our hearts and our minds and our souls with the truth. One teacher was teaching his class about blood flow. And at the end of his lecture, he said, why is it when I stand on my head that my face glows red with blood pressure, but when I stand on my feet, My feet do not glow red. One little boy in the back said, Teacher, that's because your feet ain't empty. (laughs) What are you saying? There's There's a very good principle here. We're to fill our minds with the Word of God. You say, You're being indoctrinated. Oh, If I can be indoctrinated in this book, let me be. You know what? When you get saved, your heart is full. Boy, your sins are gone. I mean, you you know there's joy now. But listen, when you first come to Christ, your heart may be full, but your head's empty. Amen. You see the point of the illustration and the humor. Hey, we're to fill our minds with the doctrines of the Word of God. We're to fill our minds with... What is truth and what is good? Sound doctrine. <laughs> Amen. We're to learn sound doctrine. That's not narrow-minded. Christians are, are accused often of being narrow-minded. Well, two plus two is four, right? Is that being narrow-minded or is that just saying this is a fact? And so doctrine is a fact. So when we say that Christ is the only way to heaven, that's not just Baptist doctrine. That's a fact. 
Amen. And so, listen, they're teaching, they're teaching facts in school still. Two plus two is four. But they're also teaching theories. I don't want your theory. That's doctrine. Amen. Darwin's a theory. That's, that's their false doctrine. But I want the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that in, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark 1.22, the Bible says that Jesus was preaching and they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Where do we get our belief system from? We get it, number one, from the Lord Jesus Christ and number two, from the authority of the word of God. You cannot separate the Word of God and you cannot separate the Lord Jesus Christ. They are one and the same for the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. They were astonished at his doctrine. I remember I was witnessing to a guy many years ago and he said, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. But he said, uh, uh, I quit reading the Bible after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, what? He said, I just read the Gospels. I, the rest of that stuff, he's too, too much doctrine, too much division there. There's all those other, hey, listen. The Bible, yes, Paul wrote some scripture. Yes, James wrote some scripture. Yes, we're reading the book of John. He wrote some scripture. And the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. You better believe the word of God is, has been complete and has been put together in such a way, in an integrated design, that God has said exactly what he means. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration. Look at 2 John. We read verse 7. Let's read verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, that, but, but that we receive a full reward. Look to yourself. Don't just believe me. Don't just believe the preacher down the road. Look to yourself. Christian, you have a personal responsibility to find out for yourself if the doctrines that you're being taught are Bible doctrines. If they're Baptist doctrines, we need to throw them in Gross's Creek. But if they're Bible doctrines, we need to learn them, memorize them, and stay on top of what God has set for His standard. Amen. That is a personal responsibility. If you go down the road, you'll find the universalist church that says, oh, we're just in search of truth. And they'll have a Hindu one Sunday and a Buddhist the next Sunday, but they never seem to have a Baptist. Hey, we're not in search of truth. We've already found the truth and it is Christ. <laughs> Ever searching for the truth. You know why they never find it? They won't accept sound doctrine. Oh, that doctrine. We don't want that Baptist doctrine. We don't want that Bible doctrine. That's divisional. We want to find a truth that we can all agree in and just all jump in the same bed together. Not me, pal. I'll give you a Bible for that in just a minute. So listen, you have a, respons a responsibility to find out for yourself what the Word of God says. And you know what? 
It's not my responsibility to rule your conscience. It's my responsibility to preach the word of God and my responsibility to, to empower you to study, to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. I'm here, I'm not here to rule over you or rule your conscience. I'm here to empower you to study the word of God. Amen. The Bible must be read, studied, rightly divided, and have the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the natural man, the natural man, the natural man receiveth not the things which be of God, neither can he know them, for they are foolishness unto him, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man reads the Bible and he says, well, you've got to be baptized. The natural man reads the Bible and says, well, you've got to speak in tongues. The natural man reads the Bible and says, well, you've got to take the Lord's Supper, that their Holy Eucharist. The spiritual man who met the Lord Jesus Christ when he repented of his sins, knows he got saved when he came to Christ and said, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I need you to wash me in your blood. Hey, that's salvation. That's the spiritual man. And you can take the Bible all you want to. I got saved when I trusted Christ. Amen. Glory. <laughs> that's what makes a spiritual person. You ever noticed how the world builds up people as spiritual people, long flowing robes? And hey, Jesus said, beware of men in long robes. That's right. That's why we don't wear them. That's why I ain't wearing them. Amen. That's why our choir don't wear them. Beware. Beware of someone who appears spiritual. The Bible says in John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Jim Jones in 19, what, 78, 79, took the Bible and led a, a bunch of people to Guyana, over 400 people, and they drank poisoned Kool-Aid. Why? They didn't know doctrine. It's important that we know doctrine, amen. David Koresh in, in uh, Texas there's a movie out about that now. Hey, what's wrong that somebody like that can have a Bible and claim themselves to be God? One guy got out of that, of that cult and he said, uh, you, you know, David Koresh was literally having sexual relationship with his congregation because he claimed to be God and, and that he could, he, could, he could purify their children if they would have children by him. <laughs> and one guy got his Bible, his Bible, his Bible, and said, I read in the Bible that Jesus would appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So Koresh was not a manifestation of Christ. Amen. <laughs> Joseph Smith, the list could go on and on. Of people who read their Bible but didn't have the Spirit of God, the natural man. We are to study doctrine. We're to believe doctrine. We're to stand for right doctrine. I'm going back to school. My head's still empty. Amen. I'm going to try to get a doctor's degree because I want more of this book in this head of mine. Hey, there's the doctrine of theology. That's the doctrine of God. Christology is the doctrine of Christ. Pneumatology is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. 
Anthropology is the doctrine of man. Hamartology is the doctrine of sin. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. Ecclesiology is the doctrine of the church. The list goes on. Hey, angelology is obviously the doctrine of angels. Eschatology is the doctrine of the end times. You say, preacher, boy, that's a lot of ologies. That's a lot of doctrine. That's a lot of study. Yes, it is. And it's important that we get those things right. And you, you say, preacher, I, don't, I can't wrap my head around those. Some of those words are big. Hey, listen, Jesus said it. it's as simple as this. Don't get confused. Don't let, don't let things get over your head. It's as simple as what our Lord Jesus Christ said here. He said, if any man will do his will, he will know of the doctrine, whether I speak of myself or whether it be of God. If you're intent on doing the will of God, you don't have to know all these big words. You don't have to know any words other than Jesus saves. Amen. Amen. And if you're intent on doing the will of God, there will be a teacher inside of you called the Holy Spirit that when someone speaks the truth, your spirit will bear witness with their spirit and your mind will latch hold on that doctrinal truth that they're preaching and teaching. Jesus said, my sheep know me and I know them and they hear my voice and they follow me and a stranger's voice will they not follow. Well, theology, i got to hurry. Theology is the doctrine of God. Pretty simple. In the beginning, God created. Hey, the theology of God is pretty simple. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. But wait a minute. A lot of people have theology. They believe in God. One man told me yesterday evening that he had joined an organization, a fraternal organization, and you can't get in that organization unless you believe in God. That don't mean nothing. Here's the next part. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? People, that, that's where the division is. Amen. Listen, I don't want a part. There's a doctrinal division here. I don't want to be a part of an organization that doesn't have as its head Jesus Christ. And you know, where, you know what, the church, what the church is? The ecclesia, the doctrine of the church, has one head. Not the potentate, the head Jesus Christ. Amen, preacher. Now let's move on. So, what is the doctrine of Christ? Oh, and I'm so glad that Jake sang that song, Jesus Paid It All. What is the doctrine of Christ? That's it in a nutshell. I, that's why tears were streaming out of my eyes when he was singing, because I'm like, he's singing my message. The doctrine of Christ, that's as far as I'm going to get. We can forget soteriology and we can forget hamartology. We can forget eschatology. We're going to study the doctrine of Christ for just a few minutes. The doctrine of Christ, that Christ came in the flesh. 
The angel told Mary, that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He is Christ in the flesh. He is the head of the church. He is not just Jesus. That was his earthly name. He is Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. The Bible says it only uses the word one time. He is the only potentate. That word is so holy, it is used only one time and it says Jesus Christ is the only one. He's the sinless son of God who died a substitutionary death for me for the Bible says he hath made, that is God hath made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. My salvation, your salvation, my doctrine, your doctrine hinges on one thing and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. It's important that we believe. Listen to me carefully. It's important that we believe that He is the only way. It's important. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, uh, there was an unruly school, one of those old one-room school rooms, and and a teacher moved in. And they said, man, you don't, you don't want to go there. That's the most unruly, undisciplined, meanest bunch of kids. You can't do anything with them. We went through umpteen teachers. He said, I'll take them. First thing he did when he went in that class, now, list this example. He went in that class, he said, I'm establishing discipline. We're going to make our own rules. And he let the class make the rules. And he said, what do you think needs to be a rule? And he began to write them on the board. Well, they said, we shouldn't steal. He wrote it down. We shouldn't uh, uh, curse. And he wrote it down. And we shouldn't do this. And we shouldn't do that. And by the time he was, he was through writing, he had a whole list of rules on the board that the class said we shouldn't do these things. He said, now, what do you think we ought to do for punishment? And they said, well, for punishment, we ought to get 10 stripes across the back. And he said, okay, we're going to establish that as rule. We're going to establish that as law. And then one day, Big Tom's lunch was missing. And they found that little Timmy had stole Big Tom's lunch. And little Timmy had on a big coat. The teacher said, Timmy, you stole his lunch. You know the rules. You broke the rules. And now you've got to face the punishment. He said, walk toward the front of the class and take your coat off. Timmy was clutching his coat. And as he walked toward the front of the class, the teacher said, Timmy, take the coat off. He began to take it off to reveal he didn't even have a shirt on underneath. As he walked toward the class, the teacher and the whole class noticed that Timmy's ribs were sticking out, that his backbone was sticking out, that he was malnourished. And he got to the front and the teacher said, Timmy, where's your shirt? He said, I only have one shirt and mama's washing it today and I, I thought I could just wear this coat and get away with it. The teacher said, Timmy, th Timmy, you know the punishment. He said, I know. And he bent over. And about that time that he bent over, Big Tom stood up and he said, Teacher, I know it's a rule that he's got to be punished because he did wrong. But he said, is there a rule that says I can't take his place? 
And the teacher says, no, we don't have a rule like that. And Tom said, I'll take his place. And as he bent over, the teacher began to lash Tom's back. And he heard someone sobbing. And it was Timmy. Little Timmy was standing there by, and he was holding Tom. And he said, Tom, I'll never forget you for this. Thank you, Tom. I know I was guilty. I, I know I stole your lunch, but I thank you for taking my place. And there wasn't a dry in that classroom. Why do you say, why would you give us that example, preacher? Because of the doctrine of the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took our place on the cross. He took our beating. He took our sin. He took our punishment for us. He took the very judgment of God for us. God help us to cling to his feet, to wrap our arms around his leg and say, Lord Jesus, I'll never forget you for what you've done for me. I'll never forget you for taking my place. Yes, I'm guilty. Yes, by the law, I should have went to hell. Yes, by the law, I should have been punished. But you have taken my place. Hey, friend, that's doctrine. It's no wonder that God expects us to stand on sound doctrine. Amen? And when somebody says, well, you just believe in Jesus, I say amen. My salvation hangs on him. He took my place. He died in my stead. He became my substitute. God helped me to love him until the day I die. No wonder God gets angry when somebody tries to change doctrine. Hmm. The Bible says, For Christ hath also once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Yes, he died. And yes, he rose again. Romans 8, 34, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. Hey, he lives. The doctrine of Christ is not only he was a substitutionary death, gave a substitutionary death, but and he died. He didn't just swoon. He didn't just faint. He didn't just kind of pass out. Hey, they, listen, angels didn't come down and take him down from the cross and, and give him uh, uh, respiratory what they, what, CPR or whatever and he went on to live and bear children and then they wrote the Da Vinci Code about him that's false doctrine our Lord Jesus Christ died and while his body was dead and in the grave he was preaching to the spirits in prison hmm. that's doctrine amen the Bible says look at 2 John let's look at verse 10 2 John chapter 1 verse 10 Christ paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It's absolutely crucial that I stand for doctrinal truth. 2 John chapter 1, verse number 10. If there come any to you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. I'm in the word of God. Somebody says, oh, that doctrine causes division. Yes, it does. My Bible says, come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Don't change what my Savior did for me. Amen.
Now, I don't read anywhere the Bible says to be rude about it. <laughs> I don't read anywhere the Bible says to be crude about it. But it says, don't receive one like that into your house, neither bid him God speed. How should we respond to what God has done for us through the book, the blood, and the blessed hope? It's important that we get it right. For the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among men under heaven, whereby you must be saved. One atonement, one Savior, one mediator. You say, you're preaching Christ. <laughs> I'm not preaching him big enough. I'm not preaching him great enough. <laughs> I'm not lifting him high enough. He is. Preacher, you're just too dogmatic. <laughs> well, you got to me too late, friend. I'm not closed-minded. Someone said to be, to be closed-minded is like concrete, all mixed up and permanently set. I'm not closed-minded. I just got in this book. Amen. And I certainly believe the book. You're at 1 Timothy. Let's go there for just a just give me two or three more minutes and we'll close the message here. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Closing the message. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 3. Remember the title of the message? Does doctrine matter? Does it? If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strifes, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that, supposing that gain is godliness. Look at the next words. From such turn away. Oh my goodness. There's a new philosophy in the world that says, don't miss this, that says the reason there are wars in the world is religious dogma. If that group didn't believe so strongly in this and that group didn't believe so strongly in that and that group didn't believe so strongly in that, then we would, we would have peace on earth. No, you won't. No, you won't. And they want us to cut, listen, cut off some of that doctrine, you Baptist. Cut off some of that doctrine, you Muslims. Cut off some of that doctrine over there, you Hindus. We can all just, hey, listen, and Christianity's heading that way fast. Just give up some of the tenets of your faith. Give up some of the principles that you believe in and you can get along. I can get along anyway and still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and still hold my doctrine. Amen. Listen. Oh, the Word of God is unchanging. I'll quote Adrian Rogers. I love and, and I'd, like to, I'd like to hang this up as a plaque over the door. 
I've quoted and quoted it, but I didn't know what went with the rest of the quote. So I'm going to give you the whole quote. It is better to be divided in truth than united in error. Right? I'd like to put that over the door, and I hope someday we'll have that over the door. But here's the rest of that quote. Please listen carefully. I'm closing. It is better to be divided in truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than to speak a falsehood that comforts and then kills. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is better to stand alone on truth than to be wrong with a multitude. It is better to ultimately succeed with the truth than to temporarily succeed with a lie. (laughs) And the world Christian that we live in, they want temporary success. They want everything now. And they don't want anything permanent. But what I've got, dear friend, as I close... It's a permanent book. Jesus said, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Their philosophy will burn one day. Their doctrine will burn one day. But I've got a book that'll stand the test of time and it'll stand the test of eternity. Amen. Amen.